This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. On Money Talks, we discuss money news and take your questions about personal finance. For 15 years, we've provided free financial information for Mississippians. I hope you can join me, Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, co-host of Money Talks, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. or anytime on our podcast. And thanks for listening. I am Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. AI, artificial intelligence, and what it's doing to our self-esteem, self-image, self-awareness, general self-confidence is something that we're going to talk about today. So with a simple tap or two, you can do it on your handheld device or your computer. You can have, honestly, flawless skin, the perfect twinkle in your eyes, the right shape of your eyes. You can change that a little. You can make the double chin go away. But then what happens when you have to present yourself in person? Do you get anxious? Do you get scared? Do you make other people angry because you presented yourself as somebody that you're not? So, yes, deception, increasing pressures to look perfect in person, those general issues around mental health and how you feel, the confidence, that can all present significant problems and actually are presenting many problems right now that many individuals, including myself in the area of mental health, um, are, are facing. So, so what do we do? How do we, how do we deal with that? Um, well, today I'm delighted to have Dr. Randall Jordan, who is professor of ENT at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And he's going to help us explore some of the issues around the increasing pressures that many feel. He is, um, which I forgot to mention, a plastic surgeon in ENT and does some remarkably wonderful work for people who who have the d- d- disfigurements or whatever. But he also does general plastic surgery, right? Facial plastic surgery. That's Facial. correct. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Jordan, thank you so much for being with us. You've been on the show with me before over the years. It's been a while, though. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I always enjoy coming to talk to you. Yeah. So this is a topic that, though it's not brand new, it is just exploding. And I think many individuals in our business, in the medical business, are a little bit concerned about it as to what it's doing, one, to the way people look and think about themselves and feel about themselves. And then, then also what it's doing to other individuals who perhaps see these incredible standards that are put out there and find that they are not able to hold up to them. And so, you know, there's these unrealistic standards that are just constantly bombarding all of us. And I'm going to bring Abram in just for a minute because Abram is the youngest member of this team. Abram Nanny, my producer, and 
And Abram, I know you're really involved in technology and and do a lot of work. And yeah, tune in to Everyday Tech tomorrow at 10, huh? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do. Uh, because I don't know, I know y'all have talked before about AI and, and you know, it's it's a concern in, in almost every aspect of life. In medical writing, sure. we are concerned about that, of course, in, in the area of mental health and you know, particularly what our teenagers are thinking are the proper standards. I mean, with AI now, you can create a whole new being, right? One hundred percent, you can, so, and it's it it's used to make you know someone's ideal person, quote unquote. Um, and then you look at it, and it's still not perfect. They still have seven fingers on each hand and stuff but they you know <laughs> the face is pretty and whatnot but like it the improvements towards ai that we've seen uh are only going to get more uh it's only going to get better and it's only going to affect people more and more right and so i was actually reading a, an article out of Forbes magazine that was recently written and they were talking about the hidden consequences of ai beauty filters and um basically what those are for those listeners who who don't know they're they're known as makeup or selfie filters and they're digital tools that use artificial intelligence and augmented reality technologies to alter and enhance the appearance of of an individual's face in real time. Now, uh, I wonder, uh, I imagine that that might be a really good tool, Dr. Jordan, to use when you are planning surgery. Do you use AI at all for that? Or is this, I know you didn't train yesterday. And so uh, certainly you didn't use that originally in your training, I guess. But I wonder how much that's used now. So we've been using digital image manipulation for probably 35 years in facial plastic surgery. But these are older programs that are not much different from Photoshop, actually, anyway. And it just basically allows the surgeon to take an image, take a photo photograph of the patient and then you can alter features on it and usually it's used in rhinoplasty so you can alter the profile view and the patient can see what it might look like from that anyway and it's a good educational tool from that standpoint but it's certainly not ai by any means it still requires the surgeon or the person who's doing the manipulation to actually physically move things around and so on you know using the software but um ai you know ai obviously it works on standards it it, it's a you know, basically takes algorithms that look at, you know, whatever the features of faces around the, around the country in the world or whatever that are judged to be beautiful faces. And then it's going to take your face and average it more towards that. We don't do that. No, (laughs) we're not not trying to create this situation that's unrealistic. In other words, we're trying to create, we look at the person and the surgeon has to use their own judgment as to what they possibly can do in that situation. So, you know, you can't, you can't, change the shape of something so much right. you have limitations with that so you have to be careful with that for sure that can get you in trouble so what you're saying is like instead of it being an ai saying oh your cheekbones need to be up here and your jawline needs to be down here you're saying you go in and you say oh well this is what you would look like without this mole right here right so More that's like that. 
Okay, cool. Or maybe you don't like the bump on your nose. Something that you can do. So the surgeon has to be careful because you have to look at it and go, okay, yeah, you to, uh, yeah, this person, you know, you can't transform me into Brad Pitt. You know, in other words, that's not going to happen, right? And so you have to be realistic into what you can do with that. And so that's your knowledge. You already have your basic knowledge of what you feel like is possible with someone. And but AI doesn't have that. It's just making it up as it goes along, right? It's just going to change it towards whatever it sees as the perfect algorithm for that person's features. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think so as as we were talking about doing the show, one thing that that you and I talked a little bit about off off air is the fact that there does seem to be this increasing perhaps difficulty with individuals liking the way they look, even when they look really good and and trying to look like that perfect algorithm that's been put out there for many women. And I think men, too. I, I do even hear men talking more about that. Have you seen a change in your practice and a change in request coming um, in the last few years, or is it about the same? Do you do you see that that really there's not that much difference in what people request and and the realism of what they're requesting or not? Well, I think it hasn't changed dramatically. No, I think that's that's accurate. But I do think there has definitely been over time a shift towards more um, ideals of perfection that people expect. And especially in rhinoplasty, for sure. So, and this is a topic of conversation at our meetings that we discuss these things. And there's actually been a number of scientific articles published along the same lines that, that, that show basically the influence of you know, Instagram photographs, et cetera, on people's perceptions of what their own nose could look like. Mm. Uh, and many, many times they're not completely realistic from that standpoint. And that, that's kind of what our job is, is to try to educate people about what is realistic. Yeah. It seems like that might be tough at times. And, and, and then perhaps, um, I know as a physician, if I don't always give the answer or the treatment that, that a patient wants, then it, it upsets them. For example, antibiotics. If if um, when I did general pediatric practice, if a parent thought their child needed an antibiotic, and I was certain that they did not, that this was a viral illness, and it would be better not to give the child an antibiotic, then then you know then a, a a parent sometimes would be displeased because they felt like the fever would go away and their child would be more comfortable more quickly if I would just do what they said to do. Um, so, you know, stepping through that sometimes I bet could be maybe a little bit uncomfortable or do you feel you're pretty adept at that by now? Well, I mean, I think there's no doubt that we disappoint people from time to time with what we say to them about those things. But I think it's, you know, you have to be honest. I mean, you're not going to, you definitely don't want to promise somebody or make somebody believe you're going to do something that you can't do. I, I think that's the worst case scenario. So you're better off if somebody's disappointed, but you know, you see people who've already seen four or five different surgeons about their rhinoplasty or whatever it is. And you have to kind of go, Hmm, I don't know if this person's going to really be happy with whatever anybody tells them from mm-hmm. that standpoint. So, you know, yeah. it's just it's just part of human nature. And I think, yeah, I mean, you always want to be nice to people, but you certainly don't want to create an expectation for something that you can't do. 
That's exactly right. I do, though, think that, as as you've said, there are these programs that you can watch your face morph into aging or morph back into being younger and all of that. And, and what happens artificially with that AI also may be a little difficult to achieve. Thanks for being with us today on Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. Randy Jordan, ENT surgeon, facial plastics, neck and face. Did I say that wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Facial plastic surgery. There you go. Okay. And we're talking about artificial intelligence and, and perhaps the pressures that it's putting on probably many of us. If not all, I'm sure there are people out there who are just completely comfortable and satisfied and happy with exactly the way they look. And I hope they're more than I believe in my mind, because I I do think the pressures out there are pretty great and they can be hurtful to your mental health. And in a minute... I do want to talk about the what this is doing to our teenagers out there. And it is not good, people. It is not good at all. But before we do that, let's go to Brother Daniel in Pascagoula, who has some comments. Hi, Brother Daniel. How are you doing, Mama Sue? I am doing fine. I love fine. you, baby. I love you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is why we donate to MPB. This is information that you will not get on regular TV. I wish this was prime time, but you can always go to their website and talk about what they have talked about today. And I like that doctor. I wish his family more blessings because he spoke about something that, yes, it's best to talk to a real person. Make sure that you get the information correct. Make sure you understand what the process is because I had four kids teenagers that I had to counsel at the church that is really caught up in this AI. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't, if you remember, even though we young people, we remember first the movie about Terminator. Now we got drones all over. Now, and there was a movie back in 1990. It was called Total Recall, where they had put that plant, in, you know, in your brain and mm-hmm. you start seeing things, you know. So, as he said, we got to be very careful with this AI. AI is going to make a lot of people money, but it also can be very detrimental to family and children. We must be and we must understand how it works and how not to get too caught up in the things that can make bad changes in the life, but use it for the good. Use it to encourage, but not to discourage. Because I have a, a child that was 15 years old, and... He was about to commit suicide Mm. because of what he saw he can do and realized, well, I can't change myself like this through this computer. He thought, oh, if I do this on the computer doing the AI, I could change myself. No, we got to understand how this AI works. We need to get more educated on it. Uh, I wish FCC, uh, if I remember correctly, FCC, you know, they control all the things we do as far as communication and all these different things. We need to get more involved in these right. things, families. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. So, yeah. Remember Total Recall? You remember what happened in that movie? <laughs> remember Terminator? All these things are coming true. Now, it's all exciting, but uh, I do not want to be 
caught up in a situation where reality becomes fantasy and fantasy become reality yeah. we got to separate the two yeah. and that is very important so please y'all please listen pass it on to your friends i'm passing on on your google that's to everybody please listen to this pbs message this is very important and this will dictate the future well brother I'm daniel thank you for that that commercial for us we appreciate it i was gonna say we're recording that and just putting it everywhere now good you need to put that out there because brother daniel we hope that we this is a service and we we do this for the the benefit of our listeners and and hopefully give them information that they can use but you brought up something that dr jordan and i both were talking about right before Right during the first break. And and that is what this has done to our teenagers. And and you're absolutely right. I'm a big science fiction fan. I read sci-fi. I like the movies. I've read, you know, all those old writers, Michael Crichton and Isaac Asimov and everything that they wrote about is is truly happening. And and more will. But what we have to do is look at the unintended consequences of of all the what's being created. And one of them is the unrealistic standards that teens see out there um, in the in the media. And and it's hard to remind yourself over and over or even to know what's real and what's what's not you can create an entire being right on the internet now through ai you don't even have to start with anything you use an algorithm you figure what's the most perfect eye nose mouth lips and all of the above and then then you produce it and it's hard to know if that was real if there's really that incredibly gorgeous person out there to whatever gorgeous standards are, or, or if it's fake. And so then you have a teenager. I'm just going to put it out there. I think all of us remember our, our early teen years were not the best, uh, best looking times of our lives. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, so you have a little bit of an of acne, or maybe your teeth aren't perfectly straight, or maybe your hair is not the proper texture, and maybe you're a little fluffy around the middle and not as fit as you would like to be. Whatever the issue is, you can bet you, if you make yourself, listeners, think back, um, did you think you were perfect in your teen years? Now, I have I have some absolutely beautiful grandchildren and i will say that none of them think they uh, hear them self-deprecate more than i would like and um i i actually have have uh my oldest uh, is very bright and very beautiful and athletic and all of that and I, yes this is a grandmother talking but i can tell you The worst thing that can happen is especially via a text or some online message, Snapchat or Instagram or whatever it is, for a peer to say something negative. She got teased about being asked to join a math club um, or to, to actually participate in a math competition. 
um, because it was like, well, you're not that smart. You can't be that smart. Why would anybody invite you? You know, that kind of thing is a put down and and that's all it took to really hurt her and really bring her down when she should be on top of the world. And so we have to think about those terrible unintended consequences that that are going on out there. I don't know, Dr. Jordan, I know you you probably experience some of this i know you have kids well i think that social media is you know for one thing when you're younger you know you don't necessarily think about whether or not the images that you're seeing and the people that you're seeing on social media are real or not now as you get older of course you realize you look at that and you go well this is probably not real. Some of these, pe- these people are influencers or, you know, they're setting everything up just for the perfect picture where there's nobody in the background, you know, at the Trevi Fountain or wherever, you know, which is Ooh. not realistic, right? Right. So, um, but you see that and you go, oh, wow, you know, this person lives this beautiful life. And, and, and as an older person, you go, oh, that can't be right, you know, but <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> right. But the younger people, I mean, you know, an adolescent is not going to understand that necessarily. I mean, some of them do, but a lot of them don't. You know, I mean, social media was supposed to be helpful to all of us to connect with each other stay in touch with our friends and it has it certainly is used by that way by a lot of people for sure but it's also used to the to the detriment too as well i mean i think that it can like you say all you have to go do is read the comment sections on a few go, go look on instagram and start reading the comment sections on a few posts you're going to see there's some people out there who appear to have enough time to uh, post on a lot of different things that they don't know much about <laughs> Exactly. For sure. So uh, it's amazing to me. And sometimes, you know, hurtful things. And and like you said, sometimes saying things that you know are not real. And so it it just we have got to keep making ourselves get back to what's real and what's pretend. And, you know, the Barbie movie was was very interesting if – I, I recently saw it when I was flying, and um, it it really makes some really great points. My my thing about the Barbie movie is it it's more for adults and older teens than it is for young kids because it's got some pretty deep messages in there. And so, for those of you who haven't watched it, if you have a moment to watch it, it's got some some pretty good stuff in there. If you can get over some of the silliness that's also in there. Yeah. All right, we've got a couple of callers. Let's go to Cat and Mobile. Cat, you have three points you want to make on AI usage. Tell us what those are. Good morning, y'all. Hey. Um, so the first point is about the AI image apps, kind of like the Facebook. And so making sure that people read the terms of agreement and usage, um, because reading is fundamental. Um, one of the apps, talks about if you submit your uh, picture to get the AI-created image for whatever thing that it'll do for you, whatever thing that you're looking for, they can use your image however they want to in perpetuity. Wow. Um, And I think sometimes we're so easy to click on something and look over the link that says terms of agreement and privacy policy just so we can get on the trend, but we're not very certain of what we're doing. And so that's something that I learned within the past couple of of months is that um, it's very important to read the terms of agreement that's in the size six font and it's like 15 pages 
But it's, it's really good to read that to know what you're getting yourself into because you could be selling your image for free and people can use it however they want to and there's nothing that you can really do about it. Um, and then also, you all were talking about outside the two together, self-esteem and just a disconnect with reality. Like, if you use the filters, how do I want to say it? So I dealt with bullying, like most people do in middle school or something like that. And um, it made me look at myself differently for a while. And so I wanted to meet these certain expectations that other people had set for me. And so I had to be very careful with, like, makeup and different things because I noticed I would tear myself apart. And so people do the same thing when I use the filter. Well, my nose should be like this, and my cheeks should be like this, and my hair should be like this, and blah, blah, blah. And so it's very, very um, dangerous to unconsciously tear yourself apart like that mm. every day. And then just um, another app that they have that's AI, you can uh, text deceased loving, and you can submit previous text messages. And so AI will learn the pattern of how your loved one used to communicate with you and it's like you're texting your dead relatives. And that's very dangerous for just not being able to let go and not setting boundaries. It's just like you said, getting back to reality. So those wow. are the points. I feel the mouthful, and you all are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, Dr. Jordan, you were nodding about the fact that if you submit your um, image, they can use it in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right for almost all those programs like that, right? Once you submit it and altered it, that it becomes their property, actually. So I don't know that any of them are actually using those currently, but not to not that it would prevent them in the future. Yeah, that's pretty terrifying. But, you know, the other day I was doing some insta- – I was installing an app for something. I can't even remember what it was. And um, – I decided I was going to go through the terms of of agreement. They're pretty phenomenally deep. It's it's wild what you don't realize you agree to. It really is. It, It is quite insane. And so I don't know. I know that's another whole topic. Probably needs to be on in legal terms. But one of those one of those issues that we all need to get a handle on but if we get back to what we were talking about with with our our teenagers and trying to make sure we mentor and foster them that the point cat you brought up that uh, about what you're agreeing to if you allow your image to be altered on one of these apps and you're you're allowing them to use your image how terrifying it's like you know some of the lessons some of our children learned very early on about Facebook, um, you know, don't post something on Facebook unless you don't, unless you want the world to see, you know. It'll come back to you, too, later on when you're looking for a job, <laughs> for sure, right? It can, anyway. Well, it does. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I do know that um, I've heard many people talk about the fact that if they're interviewing somebody uh, for a job, one of the things some of the human resource groups do is check on Facebook and 
Oh yeah, see I think what's going on. Much everybody does that. Everybody now. does I that think now. For a hundred percent. Yeah, that's, much, yes. that's pretty much standard now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So be careful. Be careful. That the main message I wanted to, to the takeaway thing for me today is that we should all be talking to our children, particularly about the fact that they can't look at images or look at people on social media. And be sure that they're real because they're not. A lot of it's not real. A lot of the stuff that you, a lot of the things that the influencers post, like I said, is not real. It's either made up. But now, and this is the point was about artificial intelligence and, you know, computer generated images have been around for a good many years, of course, anyway. But, you know, computer generated people or as in influencers have also been around for at least like five or six years. And there's a bunch more coming out now, of course. And so what's her name? Itana Lopez, mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. model that's an AI model, totally computer generated, you know, what do you want to call it? Avatar who has contracts with different companies and brings in about 10 to $12,000 a month for the company that generated it. So it's going on and there's a ton more. That's just one example. There's a ton of other ones out there too. And you, if you look at them casually, you're looking at your Instagram feed, you come across one, you may not realize at all, or probably won't realize at all. This person's not even real. <laughs> you, know, you have to really look at it. So and go, wait, this is something doesn't seem right. But uh, anyway, it's yeah. And I think people are realizing, how important that is and just uh, we'll go to the break in just a minute but I wanted to mention that on the news this morning on NPR and on uh, CBS I heard that uh, Meta is is going to start watermarking making some sort of sign on um, any altered that that an image has been altered And so I think what they're trying to do is step up before some legislation happens, because I think everybody knows this is this is uncontrolled territory. It's the wild, wild west right now. Anything kind of goes. There's just not enough control. And so hopefully we'll get to that. Thanks for being with us on this show today, Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. Randy Jordan, and we are talking about AI and some of the pitfalls, some of the positives. Now, I don't want to say that there are are no positives. They're, they're out there. They have helped us in many ways, artificial intelligence. It makes research easier. It makes, it makes us able to find images more quickly. It also helps us, if we take a bad photograph, to alter it a little bit. But... I guess some of the questions um, out there about the harm it can do um, are are pretty big. There there can be some major harmful things that are going on. And Dr. Jordan, you brought up a, a question about now the watermarking that happens on on some of these um, issues. Can you do it with our with our phones? If we have our handheld phones and we alter images through apps there and then post it, then what happens? Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious as to how far that will go. In other words, you know, I think that, for instance, everybody probably uses something on their camera, on their phone, either whether it's like to brighten colors or change, you know, focus or something like that. Is that considered alteration of the image, too? Will that be considered altering or is it just going to be if you use some app like Facetune or whatever to really change your features substantially or even some other type of app to do that? Well, then I think it depends on, you know, what 
their ability to be able to detect that the changes in the um, in the bite in the pixels in the images. So right. we'll see. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to the phone. So we have Jane in Clinton. Jane, tell us about your issue. I do have an issue, please. Um, Fifteen years ago, my son and I befriended a very nice young woman. And they dated for a while, and then they kind of broke up, but they're still good friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm very good friends with this lady, too. She is about 57 years old or so. Um, She's become such a good friend of both of us that we're very much involved in her life, her stories, we talk, and etc. But the problem is, she is very manipulative where it comes to money. Um, they took a trip, for example, together, and she offered to pay half and has never, ever tried to pay my son back for any... It was $12,000 mm. she was supposed to pay. So recently, she was going to... Um, she's well off, by the way. Recently, she was going to help him with uh, uh, another matter, and at the last minute, of course, she backs out. And, you know... I'm just I'm very disappointed that she would lead us on like this and manipulate us, scam us, whatever you want to call. And even though she's good friends, I mean they're almost like family friends. I'm I'm tired of it, you know. I'm tired of pretending that these issues don't exist because they do exist. And I'm I'm kind of wanting to just completely drop our friendship. And I don't know how to do it. It's almost as if you're getting a divorce when you still care for the person. I don't know what to tell her. I don't know how to handle such a traumatic separation. And she would be absolutely devastated because she she just loves us so much. What do I do? <laughs> how do I do that? Wow, Jane. Yeah. yeah, I know this is a little diversion of our topic, but yeah, it sounds like we need to talk through this just for a minute. Um, first of all, I have a question for you. You said she's a very good friend and almost like family. Tell tell me what you are gaining from this very good friend. What benefits, What what makes you want to hang on to this friendship? I like her very much. She's a lot of fun. She's enthusiastic. She brings out a good side in me. Um, she is someone who I would like to keep for a friend forever because of uh, we, we, well, we, we work well together. We talk well together. Everything is good with her except the fact that she just uses us in, in, in ways that are hard to get over and ignore. Mm-hmm. And by uses you, is it more in the monetary sense, or is it's, it? It's monetary. It's um, um, gosh, it's it, it's monetary. It's asking for more and ridiculous favors, um, and it's all centered around money on her part. Hmm. Even though she's well off, she's she's obsessed with scamming people. She does it all the time. Uh, it stores. She'll try to find the weakest salesperson and get a good deal. And it's embarrassing mm. and it's annoying. So it's it's a, a problem that she has 
through her childhood growing up, etc. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's not unusual for people to, who have a lot of money to want to keep their money. And right. I, I think sometimes it's a misunderstanding that the most generous people are the most wealthy. That's really often not the case because the most wealthy people often are not those who donate to good causes and help support other people. And that's how they amass their wealth. Not always. Not always, and I, that I don't want to make a broad generalization. So, um, but I, I I hear this often that individuals who are are really wealthy yet they seem very miserly, and that's just probably probably one of those developed pieces of her personality that she may have have gotten from modeling because most of what we do in life is from modeling of others perhaps her parents were like that okay with that said here's my next question because if you ever listen to this show i talk a lot about how important it is to clearly communicate have you looked her in the eye and have you told her you know what Sue, I think you're taking advantage of us. Or, did you remember you've never paid for that? So, no, we really shouldn't go on another trip until you've paid for this one. Because, you know, my money's limited. You don't have to say, I know you've got plenty of money. You don't have to pretend to know anything about our finances. But you can call her on the fact that... She has not paid you and said that she would do her due diligence. Have you have you done that? That's why I'm calling you, because <laughs> it's very difficult. But I'm glad that you're saying that I should do that. I can do that, and I will do that. And uh, I don't know. Um, the results, I don't know the results. Um, you know, I guess you're saying if I know, if she knows I know... I ought to be able to keep the relationship with that with with that one problem. Right. And and remember now um I've I've done several several shows on this and I honestly can't remember the one where we talked about how to talk to an individual about difficult things, but um let me give you a few tips that you can do. Always Please. always start out a difficult conversation with something positive. So I'm making up her name as Sue, okay? So you you do this when you are rested, calm, and ready to do it, and when you feel like she is rested, calm, and ready to listen, okay? So not when you've already been irritated with her, but, but when you guys have had a good time and laughed together. And then to... It's always good to reach out and, you know, touch her hand, touch her shoulder, say, Sue, you know how much I value your friendship. I really care about you. And I've loved so many of our wonderful times together. But I have to be honest with you. There's one area of difficulty that I need to get resolved. And I want to talk through this, and I don't want you to get upset. I want you to listen to me, and then I'll listen to you. 
and then say it so that you've laid it on the table. You are going to tell her what's going on, that, you know, you're going to talk to her about the problem, but you've told her how much you value her and that the, the positive things you're getting from your relationship with her. And then it's up to her to turn around and answer you. Now, let me tell you two scenarios that can happen. One, she can jump up and say, I can't believe you're talking to me like this. I can't believe you're so stingy. I can't believe you think I'm miserly. She may put words in your mouth. And so you have to be ready to then take a breath, be quiet, be quiet, and let her get it all out and have some what I call pregnant silence so that she can hear what she just said. And then you can say, I did not say that. What I said is this. And repeat what you've come up with. That's whatever good statement. And and move forward with that. But I would encourage you to do that instead of just abruptly breaking the friendship off because um, it might be confusing to her and it, it also um, might might make you sad and if you feel like you have given all that you can to this relationship and she refuses to give it anything back then you're in good shape i thank you uh, that all hits home it's absolutely great advice and um thank you and just on a and i will follow through with that on another note on the uh, i'm very much aware of ai i read about it there are a lot of good technical books and i'm not a technical person but I can sort out what I can understand. And this AI, we're already too late. Um, it, it, it's going to take over, and I don't know how our government or the smartest people are going to work on this. It, it's got to be doing right this minute. Um, it's going to change the world, the way we live, everything. So. Thank you for the doing the AI program. Oh, well, you're welcome. I hope I hope it is not too late. I do know that the controls are getting in awfully late. Um, I think we're the three of us in the studio today are nodding at each other that it it you know, unfortunately, you know, I I will say in medicine, I never want somebody to legislate the way I practice. Because I think when you get lawmakers who are not trained physicians legislating the way we as physicians practice sometimes, uh, there are some, again, unintended consequences there. But I do think there are times when something this big that could be this out of control, you've just got to get some legislation on it. I don't know. Dr. Jordan, what do you think? Well, I think the threat of that will cause them to also change or make more rules for it. I'm not going to tell you that I know enough about it to really understand what needs to be done as far as making it safe for the world. But there's the people who are, you know, the people that are developing artificial intelligence, they're as much at risk as any of us are. And I would hope that through just self-preservation, they would be 
at least aware of the potential problems. I know they are and, and, and thinking about it and, you know, ways to, you know, make sure that it is safe. Right. You know, one other area that I'd like for us to talk about uh, as we're moving along that I've I've read in a couple of articles, one of the issues that has come to the forefront is that distorted self-perception, self-perception, so that if you change your photographs to post on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you're posting on, and you wipe out the wrinkles and wipe out the freckles, wipe out whatever you happen not to like about yourself, um, smooth out the chin, do whatever, then what begins to happen is you have this distorted self-vision of of how you really look. And then when you... When you face the mirror, so to speak, and see that individual looking back at you, that it tends to cause depression. And, I, you know, I, I obviously haven't experienced this because I don't I don't change. I, I do, in honesty, um, change lighting on my photographs, but that is it. Maybe because I don't know how to use the other, but I know it's not difficult, and I know I could learn, but I've never had the desire to to do that. But I can understand if I were in, for example, the dating world, which I am not, but if I were— and I wanted to have the very best picture put forward if I were on a dating app, then perhaps I would get anxious about showing my little scar in my face or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I think it's one of those slippery slopes and a trap that, that a person can get into and then not know how to get out of. Yeah, well, I think that's right. I mean, I think if you know, if you you begin to change your image on social media, then um, you know, where do you stop? How do you know you know where to go from there? What do people think about you when they meet you? And you're not not who you said you were. One thing, though, they think you're not being honest, right? Of course. So that's the that's the fundamental problem with that idea. But yeah, yeah. Well, you convince they they convince themselves that's how they should look is with you know all the makeup on and all the all the filters this way the lighting has to come down directly so my eyes pop better and and it's just you're not always in those conditions so it's people convince themselves that this is the way I should be and just uh, I am this way because I've presented myself to cuz people online don't know the difference Right. So if someone sees me only online and that's how I look online, that's how I look to them. That's how you look to them. But then does that I am wondering if people get caught up into this and altering their self-image online, is it going to create a world of introverts who won't go out and won't experience life? I mean, I'm a swimmer. Um, I love to walk. 
uh, it rains in Mississippi. Does my hair and makeup look perfect when I'm swimming and walking? Um, and if it starts raining, no, it does not. But if I worried so much about it, I would lose out on so much of my life. And so I'm very concerned about what what our kids are going to do, what they're going to think is, and and thinking that they have to have this perfect look. Um, I'm hoping not, and but I do think it's up to we as parents and grandparents to talk to our kids and to remind them what's normal, what's real, and what's not. It's just like when we watch a scary movie with a child or something, and you go, oh, that's not real. That can never happen. So to make sure that you sit alongside and and help counsel. And then there's the metaverse. So you can just move into the metaverse and be completely artificial. <laughs> Okay, that's not the solution. <laughs> the official doctor's recommendation That's actually one of my concerns is that we want to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. So, totally Dr. Jordan, of course, thank you so much for being with us as always. You always have such good insight. And um, we appreciate yours too, Abram. So, Thank you to our callers and our listeners um, for being with us. You always make the show. So Southern Remedy is a protection of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and funding is provided in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and support from listeners just like you. If you'd like to hear this show again or any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite app by just going to Southern Remedy, relatively speaking. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.